if you've ever been on a Make-A-Wish trip, they asked us to wear the Make-A-Wish t-shirt. And we were walking out of the aisle, older woman, bless her heart. She like put her hand on her chest and just gasped. She said, oh my word, is he going to make it? Welcome to Take Heart, a podcast about creating space for connection, hope, and joy as a mom to a child with disabilities or special needs. We want you to feel connected and encouraged as we navigate this messy, emotional, joy-filled life together. Hi there, this is Carrie, and I'm here with Sarah and Amy. You're listening to episode 160, and this month we're talking about being misunderstood. For some reason, being misunderstood or judged touches at our core. It brings out the mama bear in us, and we just have this strong desire to protect our kids and ourselves. Sometimes, though, I know most people are coming from just a place of not understanding or ignorance, but there are definitely family members and friends and strangers who don't get it. They try to dismiss our concerns and aren't willing or able to, for one reason or another, put themselves in our position. So. The first question that I have off the top of my head is, what is, if you could pick one important concept, one assumption regarding your child's diagnosis that you would like to set straight for the record, what would you say? Amy, will you start us? (laughs) How long do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to say this loud and clear. Trauma is real and it has lasting effects. Yeah. Say it for the people in the back. (laughs) Trauma. (laughs) I'm saying it. Don't let your friend, your mother, your mother-in-law, your pastor tell you trauma is not real. And then it does have lasting effects on a child. Kids with invisible disabilities look typical. So I think at times, not at times, all the time, people make a lot of assumptions about behavior. And sometimes people want to explain it away. Like, but you had her from birth or, but now she's in your home or X, Y, Z. And it's super frustrating to try to feel like you need a PowerPoint presentation to explain the effects of trauma on children and how that exhibits in their behavior. So that would be mine. (laughs) Yeah. And I would say to anyone listening, if you would like to understand more about trauma, you need to listen to Adam Young's podcast, Mm -hmm. The Place We Find Ourselves, or... Um, the Allender Center podcast from Dr. Allender. We can put those links in the show notes because even just educating yourself about it and what assumptions and things come even from your own background and how you were raised can help you understand where other people are coming from and even how you parent. Um, It's been super helpful for me. And I think it's really important that we spread the word and that people start educating themselves more about this topic for sure. Sarah, how about you? What's what record do you want to set straight about a misunderstanding? Um, so I was thinking about this and the first part of my notes is don't vent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a note to yourself. It's hard not to do that, right? <laughs> it, is, it is because I think like there are things that I, I think my son would want to correct. Um, you know, he just went to, we just had to change medical providers and we were walking out and he has not once ever said this, but he goes, wow, people talk to me like I'm actually a patient and I know, I know what they're saying. Uh, I'm like, why didn't you say something before? And he goes, eh. <laughs> it's 
desperately because I didn't want to talk to him, but it is nice to be talked to, you know? Um, so I think that's, I think a whole other podcast because there are things that bother them. And I think that's why I was like, don't vent because this is more for caregivers. So on that bent, I would say the, the biggest misunderstood concept that I want to speak on is that others aren't entitled to know everything about my child or our lives. If you wouldn't ask another child or a parent of a child at that age, don't ask it. And it's none of your business. Most right. likely I, we've had, okay. So for example, I have had friends with daughters that have been asked about their daughter's time of the month and what their plans are. She was eight and that's mm -hmm. none of your business. Would you ask another eight-year-old's mom if you're not friends with them? Like right. if my sister, that would be different. You guys, that might be different. But like these are virtual strangers we're talking about or people you might see for 45 minutes on Sunday. I mean, these, this happens with people at church too. I have had people ask about my son's reproductive abilities. Mm. Can he perform certain things? Can he do this? And I'm like, you would never ask me about that with my other child, right? My, my neurotypical or physical typical child. How do you even remotely think that that's acceptable? One of it, one of the things I do pride myself on is that I do have comebacks very quickly. <laughs> They're not always, sometimes I'm always like, Oh, I could have left off without saying that one. <laughs> but, um, it's so we were on my son's make wish trip and he has a huge World War II buff ever since he was little. And he asked to go to Pearl Harbor, which we loved because we were convinced we were going to be like going somewhere in the middle of <laughs> Iowa, you know, like the world's biggest stock of corn or something. But nothing, it was, no offense to people from Iowa. No, right. It's no yeah. Like we were going to be stuck in Missouri, you know, like we were going to be like, I want to go on a canoe trip. Especially we go every summer. So it's like we just knew it was going to be something that, you know, a, a 10 year old wanted to do. Anyway, we were on the flight to Hawaii. And if you've ever been on a Make-A-Wish trip and you've had to fly or anything that would travel day, at least at that time for us, they asked us to wear the Make-A-Trip, the Make-A-Wish t-shirt or buttons. If you were actually on something that was the Make-A-Wish portion of it. So my son had his t-shirt on, I had mine on, and we were walking out of the aisle to go to the restroom. And I was taken to the restroom and this older woman, bless her heart. She, I know she didn't mean anything by it. Um, she like put her hand on her check chest and just gasped and was very dramatic about it and said, and I might be overselling this, but I was so frustrated in the moment. It's probably built up in my head for a while, but she said, Oh my, Oh my word. Is he, and she was like, trying not to, is he going to make it? <laughs> and I'm like, and I kid you not. And so I was like, uh, well, I sure as heck hope so. <laughs> Sorry, um, I caught myself. <laughs> I sure as heck hope so because if this plane goes down, he's not the only one that won't make it. And I just walked off. And there was this gentleman like three aisles back, and he was like, "Good for you, Mama." But TJ looked at me like, "What do you mean, am I going to make it?" I'm like, "How can you not know that that's not okay?" And first of all, it's none of your business. We're on the same flight. You know, we're not in the same family. Right. It's all right. Flight. I won't ever, I don't know you from Adam. You have no right to ask me that. Right. Um, so that's one of the things that I would is that I wish people knew you don't have the right to all the information. Right. Yeah, for sure. And that's not advocacy. 
Voyeurism and advocacy are two totally, you know, voyeurism and asking questions so you can better understand how to be a friend or an advocate for your family. Yeah. That's one thing. But you don't need to know about my son's reproductive abilities. Right. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. To advocate or to help my family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so funny to see, like we're those of you who are listening, you can't see us, but even just like, you know, our posture and our bodies, when that mama bear starts to come out, it just changes. Right. Because we're in like this defense, you know, we've got to defend our kids. And I know for me, you know, having a son in a wheelchair and him not being able to walk and having a diagnosis since pregnancy, I have come to just, I hate that phrase. As long as the baby's healthy, like, you know, okay, I remember walking around pregnant and like babies are us going, my baby's not healthy. So what does that, what does that mean? Right. You know, right. and it's just that whole idea that if you have a diagnosis, somehow you don't have value and worth as a person. Mm-hmm. And if I could dispel any misunderstanding, any misconception, it's that Sarah, you say it all the time. A, de- a devastating diagnosis does not mean a devastating life. It does not mean mm-hmm. that my son has less worth and value and isn't doesn't deserve to be treated as a person with likes and dislikes. And I'm sure we have moms, f- families who are listening whose kids cannot verbally speak. And you probably uh, you probably experience this way more than those of us who have kids that can speak and can say, they treated me like a person. And because, you know, our kids who, the kids out there who cannot verbally speak also still have emotions and feelings and that, and they deserve to be treated as a person who has value and is created in the image of God. So um, do either of you have a story that you want to share about how you, I know Sarah, you talked about it, but like, in that situation and your mama bear comes out, right. And you have the great thing to say, uh, you know, I loved your response. Half the time I don't have a response. I just end up like crying and getting angry and frustrated, but like, how did it, how does it make you feel? And what would you have done differently in a, in that situation? Would you have changed anything in that situation with a woman on a plane on the plane? Well, you know, I remember I went back to my seat and I was visibly shaken and I was holding it together because I can have a comeback in that moment, but I, the adrenaline, I'm, I'm upset. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I sat back down and, and my husband was like, what's going on? And I told him I would tell, I'll tell you later. And, um, cause I didn't even like, even if my son was sleeping, I didn't want to talk about it. Cause I, right. I always remember as a child hearing my parents talk when they thought we were sleeping and it's just stuck with me. So I'm like, Nope. No. Um, then I, whenever I told him what was going on, he said, you know, it took me a while to decompress from that. And I immediately went to, was that unchristian of me to say, was that, was that catty? Was that petty? Um, she didn't deserve that. She was just being sweet. Have I prevented her from being inquisitive about other people? You know, like you just, and I, sure. I think you just immediately go to that shame base, or at least I do. I go to that shame base mentality of how could I have handled that better? And I thought, I remember thinking, I, I didn't punch her. I think I handled it well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Good I for you. Yeah. I was like, pat myself on the 
back. She didn't get throat punched. I'm good. But I think, you know, it's just, you feel defeated. You feel angry. And it's almost like you take two steps forward and you're like, man, I can do this. I got this gig figured out. And we're, I'm getting there. Like you don't have it figured out, but you're like, I, I'm good. I, I think I can do this. And then somebody says something like that. And it can easily put you back to square one of, I can't do this for the rest of my life. How am I going to, because I remember when TJ was little, I'm like, how am I going to be able to do this for the rest of my life or the rest of his life? And I'm like, this is too much. It's too much to constantly be aware of. So I don't think in that moment I would have changed anything. There have been moments when I have not been so witty or sarcastic or maybe, I don't even know. There have been times where I've just been flat out ticked and I have made them abundantly clear. Um, recently, we had a certain doctor and you guys are know exactly the story because I think <laughs> I was like, um, we actually now don't, we travel eight hours to a new facility because of this. Um, but this doctor completely shamed me upside down one, mm -hmm. the other. And it was like, I know a lot about my son's diagnosis and I basically at the end, she goes, okay, well, we'll just schedule something for six months. And I, <laughs> then I'm like, uh, that's not going to happen in this lifetime. And I looked at the nurse and I'm like, thank you for being professional and not shaming a parent because you have no idea what that would do in the long run. And I'm like, and especially with the, the patient setting that here, I didn't know if you noticed him or not. Now, could I have handled it better? Maybe. I don't think I could have handled it better. <laughs> could somebody else have handled it better? Maybe. But at that point, I felt I needed to stand up for my son. Yeah. So I, I think. There's a tension there. Yeah. 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 And I think it's good to do that, that self check of could I've handled it better? How can I handle it better going forward? And I actually practice responses like, okay, if I am mm. so angry, I need to count to five. I need to, and then if that doesn't work, count to five again. And then I have the right to say, I am really frustrated in this moment. And I need to step away from the situation. And, and that's okay, too. Um, and if they continue to push it, then that's just another indication that they don't need to be in your life. Um, right. But I don't think there's anything about unless you were intentionally hurtful towards somebody that you should think about changing a reaction right. unless you were cruel, um, which I'm sure I have been in the past. And I need and I've thought I really can't do that again. Right. But um, there's a difference between speaking truth and advocating yeah. and just reacting out of like I'm gonna hurt you because yeah. you're hurting me I don't in those instances you know you're not trying to hurt that person you are telling the truth like you said and at you know and advocating for them yeah. so Amy, how about you do you have a story of like the mama bear came out and how did you evaluate your feelings and what happened well first of all let me just say that when I first saw these questions I thought I felt a little bad. Like I'm not like, I would not have responded like Sarah, not that Sarah responded wrong. That's not my go-to. Sure. My go-to is not to immediately, I need an inner Sarah with me, but go to say something. I tend to <laughs> shrink a, back. She's a hot mess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you be my designated throat puncher? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> You know how hockey has an enforcer? I don't know. Yeah, either. I need I you, Sarah. That right. one guy that he can skate and punch. And that's, that's only it for two minutes. No, Not you know. that we are advocating violence on no. this podcast. No. The idea of shame, like when Sarah told that story, that is a daily 
experience mm-hmm. when you have kids with invisible disabilities. Yeah. So when the principal shows up on a Saturday, when your child's in second grade, and I'm not saying I'm not, this is not a hypothetical situation, <laughs> and he's not coming to tell you she's student of the month, <laughs> but that she needs to be expelled. There's shame because your child has just had a behavior that from the outside looking in, you'd be like, this kid is not a great kid, right? So it's hard to mama bear when you are feeling shame about behavior. That is so hard to do. So when the principal shows up and tells me she needs to be expelled, and then we ended up having to go to a panel of parents to advocate for her to stay in school, which was like a... Sarah, you guys can't see Sarah's face. <laughs> she, the enforcer. I'm irritated now. <laughs> that is just one story of hundreds mm-hmm. of stories. Yeah. So I've, I have gotten better at handling those kinds of things and understanding, like I said earlier, trauma has lasting effect. Right. My mama bear may not come out in the moment, but it will come out later and being mad and just really being upset with the people. But I have to remember this. I don't understand what behavior they can control and what is trauma. Right. I don't think it really matters. I really think that's the wrong question to ask. I know a lot of moms with kids with behavioral issues go, what can they control? What can they can't? It's We spend way too much time. If I don't understand it, how can I expect anybody else? They have no visible visual cues that this child has a disability, number yeah. one. They have assumptions, number two. And I don't understand it in a way that make that I can explain it, at least at that point. I'm a little bit more um, forthcoming now about the effects of trauma. I understand it more. So I, I think looking back and even now, I have to give myself grace that I didn't come out with Dukes up. That's not my normal stance, but in my mind, well, that's what I should have done. I should have really right away stuck up for her. Right. Um, so giving myself a little bit grace in that and just realizing if I don't understand it, I have to give grace to the person that is, it's not easy, that is making an assumption about my said about my child. Um, and I tell you the one time that I do come out like a Sarah, Sarah, that's just a new thing. <laughs> like a Sarah. <laughs> is the assumptions that are made because my daughters are black. No. That is when I will come out like yeah. a crazy woman. Because I know, like I can know that's wrong. Yeah. Like, you know, with the behavior stuff, you're like, yeah, I know, you know, it's a little bit more gray, but like. I'm shocked at the things people say because I have black daughters and assumptions yeah. they make about their birth moms, assumptions they make about our daughters. It's right. just kind of, that I mean, does make me really mad. And I will say something. Yeah. I think that's really, I, I mean, I think that's a really good point too, especially for people who are in your situation, who are caregivers and parents to children with behavioral mental issues um, or disabilities. We, like for me, I have the cute little blonde headed child in a wheelchair who has a terminal disease. Nobody's going to come and say he's expelled. In fact, he hit two teachers on a scooter because he <laughs> won't slow down. And they're like, oh, he's fine. <laughs> Nobody, and they're going to give him a get out of jail free card every single time because they don't want to be the person that does that. But with behavioral issues, it's so misunderstood. But like you said, you would go to bat if they made any comment about them being black, if it had anything to do with them being black. And I think, would you, and I'm asking you a question. I don't know. So I'm not trying to hijack this. Sorry, but I, would you go back and tell yourself 
it's okay to go to bat for the behavioral as well, because even though you can't prove it, like whenever I gave the example of that doctor who shamed me, she was shaming me on things had to do with MS, multiple sclerosis. My son has MD. One of the things I said was, I'm like, if you can get the acronym correct, we'll continue this conversation. I was so angry by the end of it. But like, I had scientific data. Right. And I knew what was right for my son. And I had 10 years behind me. But we have probably people listening that's like, I don't know, I'm in the beginning stages. I don't know what to do. And I think that's where you go back on that mama bear instinct. You know, there's nothing like a mother's intuition. And we always talk, you know, we talked about last month that caregiving and parenting are two totally separate things, but there's a lot of crossover too. Um, I don't know. I just, would you do it differently in the beginning? If somebody said people don't need to understand the behavioral aspect of it for you to advocate, or is it maybe a personality thing? Um, I think I would do it differently. I think, um, I think it goes back to what Carrie said, regardless of their behavior, their skin color, whether they're in a wheelchair or not, mm-hmm. they are people made in the image of God. Yeah. Right. And people just need to, you know, stop <laughs> making assumptions about them. And I've often wondered if they see my child's skin color and their behavior and make assumptions about those two together. Mm. And so I do think once I toughened up a little bit, if I would go back, I would say be more mama bearish, I guess, more advocating because you're right. They're made in the image of God. They're people. And they may be behaving in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Trust me, it's making me uncomfortable too. I'm not just la-di-da. But um, I think I would have probably advocated from that stance as opposed to the PowerPoint presentation on why they're behaving this way. Because people still try to talk you out of it. Like, I have friends who love me that still try to talk me out of their diagnosis because they see a glimpse of positive behavior. Or I just, I, I don't know why people do that with invisible disabilities, but they try to like give you all these reasons why they don't think what you say is causing the behavior is causing the behavior. And I don't understand that. But so I think coming about it from, well, whether you understand or not, there are people made in the image of God and you really don't have the right to say that mm-hmm. is how I would probably go about it now. And back. I think one of the things you're both saying is, I mean, we are, we're all different people. So we all have different ways of reacting to these mm-hmm. situations where we are misunderstood and definitely based on our child situation. I think, you know, for me, and obviously Sarah and I, our kids are a little bit similar in that we're dealing with medical is, but, you know, I, I've heard so many stories through the years in medical situations where doctors, nurses, whatever, they just don't listen to the parents. Like, and Amy, it's probably the same situation for you. Like they, they are just going off based all off their own assumptions and they're not actually listening to the parents saying, this is what I'm seeing. Now, are there parents out there who are making up their kids diagnosis? And I know, you know, the Munchausen syndrome is real. I don't even know if I said that properly. I, I get that. But for the most part, we, we need our, you know, who we're dealing with in medical situations, school situations, and church situations to listen to the parents because they they do know what they're talking about. So so my next question is what about this occurring in a church setting? And <laughs> a lot of times I think our first reaction in a mama bear situation and being misunderstood is anger. 
And I don't think that's necessarily bad. I mean, anger right. sometimes I think it's a bad rap, you know, but anger and fight or flight is what causes us to be able to react and advocate because it's anger over the injustice, right? And and God gets angry over injustice. God, you know, we we know he's he is full of righteousness and justice. So obviously he's perfect and we're not. But do either of you have a story about a church situation and maybe how you handled it? Oh, wow. It's been several years ago. One of my ch- children was acting out in church and a woman came up to me and said, my kids would never act that way. And oh, I, good for you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, see, Sarah, once again, Sarah is so ready to go to bat for me on every situation. <laughs> she is our enforcer. <laughs> you can hire me for any <laughs> Right. I just a parrot on your shoulder. <laughs> right. And I was mad and hurt and embarrassed that my kids were acting out yet again in mm-hmm. church because it's not like nobody notices. <laughs> it's not like they act out quietly in the bathroom where no one can see them. Um, and I remember saying to her, well, I'm so glad because um, that means your kids didn't grow up with the trauma that my kids did. Mm. Now, I think earlier in my journey, I would have just not said anything. But I was like, I'm so glad they didn't have the trauma that my children have. And that's all I said. And walked off. And part of me is like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm normally not like that. <laughs> so I felt kind of good that I um, said that. But once again, and I don't mean to be a dead horse, we see negative behavior and we have a very right and wrong kind mm-hmm. of mindset. So we right. cannot in our brain understand like, okay, here's a common example with kids that come from trauma. If a kid's sexually abused, they may act out a small child sexually and that's not the fault of the parent that's parenting that child. They came from trauma. Maybe they were in, they adopted them out of foster care or whatever when they were in their birth families. I mean, that's not okay behavior, but we right. immediately put a moral value on it. Right. When in this situation, this is trauma. Yeah. And people have a really hard time not slapping a moral code or a moral on a child that steals because maybe they were starving in the, right. you know, I have a kid that, Lie. He could lie and you'd believe everything he said because when you live in an orphanage and something gets broken, the kid who lies the best is the kid who doesn't get beat. And that's just the bottom line. Right. So that the moral police that come around, that's really frustrating, especially in church. And I understand it to a bit. And that's once it, that, but once again, we go back to trauma and churches understanding trauma yeah. and not just ostracizing a family because their kids have what behaviors that think are morally um, wrong. Yeah. And here's why I have learned not to tell myself. I had to, I had to compose my thoughts on this. <laughs> um, this is what I've had to tell myself so many times is I don't know what is in that other person's heart. Right. She could have been coming at it from a place of, well, I don't know. She could have been coming at a place of positivity of some, some sort that we just don't understand. And it couldn't have been like, I don't, I hope that she's not, I'm going to go shame her because that's ridiculous. Um, and that might not be it, but I always have to remind myself, I don't know what's in that person's heart. And that helps calm me down sometimes, but there's sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes but out of like, the depths of the heart, the mouth speaks right? sometimes. Right. Well, but, you know, just because people have good intentions, no. I know I've had good intentions before, but have said some really boneheaded sure. things. Right. Um, and I'm glad when people redirect me on those. It's painful sure. in the moment. I'm embarrassed in the moment. I feel, you know, guilt in the moment. Even best intentions 
aren't right. Right. And but, but I think I, can I just say this though? I think in that situation, Amy, you spoke truth and love, right? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't get into a debate with her. You just you spoke the truth about trauma and just walked away and gave her something to think about. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I will say though, I just want to wait one more point is that all the moms I know that have kids with behavioral they don't feel comfortable at church because that's the most judgy place sometimes. Yeah. And that is unfortunate. That's not generous. That's not the grace of God. And that, that really hurts. That makes me mad. I get mama bear in defense of these other moms that are younger than me that haven't walked this road. Like I just want to say to the church, have some grace here, people. (laughs) That's what we're supposed to be about. So unfortunately not every church, but I've, I've some of the stories I've heard from moms it just really breaks my heart. Yeah. And I think that comes back to the misinformation about trauma mm-hmm. and not equipping ourselves with, you know, Barb Stanley, wonderful work. She does a great job of walking mm-hmm. through training for all the church workers about behavior mm-hmm. and how to handle and how to talk to families and all that kind of stuff. And we need more and more education and training on that kind of stuff. I think that's. Mm-hmm. Um, just really important. So I'd like to wrap up with this last question of just, so I don't think we can always control what those initial fight or flight reactions are, right? The anger and all of that, when we come on a situation where we are put in a position of advocating or defending or all that. And so, but a lot of times, like you said, Amy, we can feel shame and regret and frustration with ourselves because maybe we didn't react in a right way. So how can we walk away from that situation and help ourselves or equip ourselves for future dealing with that? And what I'm talking about is like, what's kind of a healthy way to react to ourselves later on? And what's an unhealthy way that we react to ourselves when we have had a mama bear confrontation with somebody over a misconception. I have learned to go with the path of least resistance when it comes to those situations. Um, And by the way, I know I've used mama bear even in this thing. Why are we bears when we (laughs) advocate for our children? This is such a tangent, but men are just... They're just involved dads, but we're we're like the bear that's hibernated and I was all coming out angry, hungry. It's true. I digress. Yes. But um, one of the things that I have learned to do is the path of least resistance. And sometimes that is keeping my mouth shut. And for me, I know I have a readily, I, I just have a ready comeback. And so sometimes in that moment, I have to pause. Like I said earlier, I just have to count to five and is what is coming out of my mouth going to further the advocacy for my child or this person who they contact later. That's one thing. That's why I made up the stupid cards. Mm -hmm. And again, I want to put out there, if I've handed you a stupid card, (laughs) it's not because you said something stupid. That's not the only reason why we've just, it's just become that moniker for it. But basically it is a picture of my son with his diagnosis. And somebody says something, that's why they came about was people would say some really hurtful things you know, telling their child that we must not be as blessed as them because my son has what he has. Um, And that was the turning point for me. So making up these cards where I'm like, if in the moment I know Jesus will not come out of my mouth, mm-hmm. if Jesus is going to face palm after I speak, <laughs> like, there it goes again. Um, 
that's when I just get out those cards and I just hand it to them. There doesn't there's not an explanation. And, um, so that helps me. And I feel like I can advocate, but I can also at least come away being as kind as I can in that moment. Um, another thing that we have done from the very beginning is we talk to everybody. We are proactive. Can we come talk to you about our child's diagnosis? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. school staff, it's church leadership. And if you say, I really want you to understand my child better because I know that you want to serve him as the Lord intended. Can we come talk to you guys? What are they going to say? No. If they do, maybe you need to find a new church. I don't know. I don't know your situation, but being very proactive, I think helped us in the beginning too. I have at moments when somebody has said something really, really horrible and I knew I couldn't say anything. We, I remember one time in a grocery store, somebody said something horrible and my son just kind of looked at me and even after like I was talking about with that doctor got out to the car and I told TJ, I'm like, we need to pray. And so we mm. prayed for that doctor and we prayed for that person at the grocery store. And sometimes it is prayer of please let them understand that what they said is hurtful. Please speak to their heart because it wasn't my responsibility to. And so in a way I'm teaching my son, I don't, I love you and I can, I advocate for you, but there's sometimes where it's not my responsibility to set that person straight. And so I, we would say a prayer like that. And it was very heartfelt. That's always helped too, is to pray in the moment of if I need to do something else, or if I need to apologize for my behavior, please make that abundantly clear to me, you know? Yeah. Amy, how about you? Um, I had a lot of conversations with my therapist about this because me and my feeling like I need to explain everything to make the shame glare, not come at me and my child. And I think what I've learned is to be able to say something similar to you, like, you know, she comes from trauma. Um, she's got some issues. If you'd like to know more about it, I would love to have a conversation. And that's, I stop it there because I don't need to be telling them everything. Right. And yeah, I think sometimes you want to, to justify why this is happening, but that's helpful to me to go, not everybody deserves to know all this. And if someone really truly wants to know, then that's somebody worth talking to and investing in because they may be an advocate for your family. And then as far as like how I've handled things and gone back and how could I be nicer to myself? Well, I'm always way too hard on myself. So I think it's important as we talk about shame and guilt to, to name what happened name the story you're telling yourself and name the truth. Yeah. Cause I could be like, in like in that situation, let's say with the principal, well, I could have so many situations, but let's say I could be like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that I'm about, or I should have said more. And like the story I'm telling myself always is I could have done more, but in reality, it was a really bad situation. And in a bad situation, when somebody's coming at you with accusation, most of us don't know what to do. And yeah. to be able to name that and go, yeah, I'm a good mom. I think I would tell myself, you are a good mom, whether you were quiet, whether you were rude, or whether that doesn't change what kind of mom I am and how I care for my child. And I think that's something I would go back and tell myself again and again, because I think I just got in this little whirlpool of like shame and right. So, and I think that's so true because a lot of times what we react to tends to be, it tends to trigger something in ourselves of a lie that we've believed about ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Or our worth and our value as a mom, how good of a mom are we? Because there's this misunderstanding or there's this misconception. And I think, you know, asking God for help. And I think also just deciding on those situations when you're going to be proactive or reactive, like Sarah, you know, when you're 
constantly encountering people who are saying, well, you know, how, why does he walk sometimes? And why does he, oh, it must be nice that you can just kind of pick and choose whether you walk or not, you know, yeah. that whole sphere of influence, right? If it's a stranger on the street, they might not deserve our time. But if it's, you know, a friend or someone at church, then I think it's that conversation of, like Amy said, if you want to know more, I know one time my counselor said something similar to me when, cause everyone, if you listen to the podcast for very long, you know how angry and upset I get about parking situations, but she's like, what can you do to equip yourself? So you feel empowered in those situations. So think about that when you, you and your child are, or your teenager or adult child are coming on situations where you're misunderstood or there's judgment or there's assumptions made. How can you equip yourself to engage in that situation? And maybe it is coming up with three things that you can respond, right? Or maybe it's having a card that you put on a car to educate someone about how their parking is ridiculous. <laughs> or, you know, or it's it's that speaking love and truth phrase, Amy, like you said. It's this is the reason. If you'd like to know more, I would love to have a conversation with you. Um, and I think when we can first of all, be kind to ourselves and show kindness that the reaction of anger over the injustice is very normal. And I think God given the fight or flight, right? But then these are the ways that I can equip myself as a mom to be this loving advocate for my child and and, and know and give ourselves grace that we're not always going to do it well and right. Because, um, you know, frankly, like you said, Sarah, I don't know if it was this episode or the last collaborative Jesus overturned the tables. And, you know, sometimes I think we have a hard time discerning mm-hmm. that through scripture, right? When anger, showing anger is okay, when it's not okay, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think the Holy Spirit can guide us in that. So, Amy, we pray for us. Okay. Lord, first of all, thank you for uh, this conversation. Thank you for the people that are listening, that they will be um, encouraged by what we're uh, talking about today. Um, it is hard when we are misunderstood, when our children are misunderstood, and that is an emotion that um, Christ is aware of in his life. And Lord, we just pray that you give us wisdom and grace, uh, wisdom to know when to say something, when to not, and that help us to continue to advocate for our kids. Help us also not to live in shame, but to live knowing that you love us and see us and that you're walking with us. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Other difficult emotions that you're trying to navigate that you would like to hear us talk about in the podcast more specifically, please let us know. We love your feedback and we love hearing from our listeners. You can find us on Instagram at Take Our Special Moms. You can email us or leave a comment on our website at TakeOurSpecialMoms.com. If you have not had a chance to check out our book about navigating the messy emotions of this life of raising a child with disabilities or special needs, You can find a link to those retailers on our website. Thanks for being with us today.